Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg, South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk more about women's football, as it's just one week to go to the Africa Women's Cup of Nations finals in Ghana. The Confederation of African Football held a symposium on women's football at the start of this year. But has it really achieved anything? A lot needs to be done, you know. Clubs, football associations as well as CAF need to sit down and come up with rules and regulations that they can actually, even if it means forcing, you know, countries to take men's football seriously, then let it be. And lots on the English Premier League as the Manchester Derby is on this weekend. And we find out more about Nuno, the Wolverhampton Wanderers manager who was born in Africa. That's coming up, but first there was a World Cup win for Africa as Angola won the 2018 Amputee Football World Cup in Mexico, beating Turkey in a penalty shootout in the final last weekend. The match was goalless after extra time. Nigeria and Kenya also represented Africa at the Amputee Football World Cup. Kenya made it through to the knockout phase for the first time, losing to Russia in the last 16. And Nigeria's Special Eagles, who got there after a big fundraising campaign, failed to make it to the second round after two losses and one win in the group phase. Liberia and Ghana also qualified to play in the finals in Mexico, but they withdrew before the start of the competition after Liberia failed to secure their visas on time and Ghana had financial difficulties. So well done to Angola winning the 2018 Amputee Football World Cup. Well, next weekend we have the next round of group games in qualifying for the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations. That'll be match day five, so more teams will qualify, some will be out of contention. More on this on next week's show. And it's also just one week to go to the Africa Women's Cup of Nations finals in Ghana, with eight teams taking part in the continent's biggest event in women's football. Next week we'll hear from Ghana. This week we take a look at whether there are serious efforts being made to develop women's football or if it's mostly talk and no action when it comes to Africa. At the Confederation of African Football's Extraordinary General Assembly in September in Egypt, there was very little discussed on the advancement of women's football, besides confirming that Ghana will host the Women's Nations Cup. Yet earlier this year, CAF organised their first ever symposium to look at issues affecting women's football and made recommendations with a view to implementing them. But since then, nothing much seems to have been heard about women's football development. Well, Gambian sports journalist John Mendy chatted on WhatsApp to Saini Sisohori, the Gambia women's football coordinator, and to Karabo Bosena, a TV sports presenter from Botswana. He first asked Karabo what she makes of CAF's interest towards women's football. I think CAF's interest towards men's football is not really at the level where one would expect. I mean, there's a lot that can be done. A lot that can be done, I'm saying it in the sense that you'll see or you'll recognize that CAF is giving federations or football associations money towards women football. But then they don't do proper follow-up whether that money is being used on women football or the associations or federations are actually using that money for something different. So I think there's a lot, you know, they have to monitor um, the money that they give out to 
confederations or associations to see whether they have gone where they are supposed to go or they just been used for something else. As much as um, CAF do takes development for, for boys, you're under 20 or under 23, they have a lot of competitions, they, they, have, they play quite a number of tournaments as compared to their female counterparts. So I think it would be worse if CAF can do a competition for both males and females to avoid a situation where now the boys will play more games as compared to the girls. How many competitions do take place when it comes to ladies football? We can even count to five. So it's one of those things that um, CAF, I believe, should do. Increase these competitions as well as, you know, making sure that the money that you give out to the federations is well monitored. So coming to you, Sini, do you think CAF is giving enough to women's football, looking at their approach towards um, organization and motivation? Well, I think um, it's not much given to the women's football side, and I think they have to improve a lot when it comes to women's football, given the organizational aspect and the motivational aspect, because if it is good and it's well organized, I think motivation will come in place. So with that, I think CAF have to do a lot when it comes to women's football to approach the member associations that they have to empower women within their various football associations. With that, women's football will be getting up to the ladder that we expected. I think CAF also can do certain things like imposing a member association that the orders occupy positions like the first vice president, second vice president, third vice president to be at least one of those positions to be occupied by women so that we can have what it takes to fight for what belongs to us and fight for our gender. I'm not trying to be discriminated here, but I think also if you're trying to fight and push hard, then I think CAF will also give us a consideration to see women's football will go to the level that we expected. I think we deserve an opportunity, we deserve a chance, we deserve a motivation, we deserve attention. So Karabo, what do you think is causing CAF's interest away from actively engaging in terms of organizing frequent competitions for the rapid growth of the game? Is it because of uh, inefficiency from those serving in women's football committee? I think this one will boil down to the football associations. Whether football associations are doing enough to push CAF to support women football, are they doing enough to show CAF that, look, CAF, we need women football? Because CAF can only act if football associations are doing something. If they are not doing something, then obviously they will also relax you know i think i think this one goes to the football associations to take responsibility and agree that as one let's approach our our leader and say we need one two three you know we need competitions that can um, make women football grow because i mean if if, if they're not doing that CAF won't do it. They won't do it. They'll just relax because there's no prejudice, nothing that um, football associations actually want them to do. And even even the Women Football Committee, they are not they are not talkative. They are just quiet. I think it's 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 one thing that needs to be done. They also need to you know get out of their shell and approach CAF. They need to talk. They need to be more talkative. They need to be more active. We need to hear more about them. You know, we should know what they are doing in terms of them trying to fight care for trying to encourage care to take women football more seriously so Senny, what are the other pitfalls you think need serious i mean serious addressing 
to get African women's football actively engaging to every player in the game? I think they need promotion. They need people to see and hear them. And also they need competition and promotion side because it's very key. Because if you promote, there are a lot of things coming in place. Like sponsorship will come, people will see what you can do. Also, technical know-how of many people who are governing women's football. I think we really need that. How much care and interest should women's football have henceforth and what specific change are you anticipating for in the game in the future, Karabo? We have um, CAF licensing, which was aging teams to have ladies' football. But is that happening? No, it's not happening. It's kept doing something about it. Nothing has been done about it. Are the federations of football associations doing anything about it? They're not doing anything about it. I think the only way to change the game in the future is to make sure that these big clubs, they do have women's football and women's football has been taken seriously like men's football. Township Rollers in Botswana, for instance, they went for the first time a team in Botswana going to the group stages of CAF and uh, um, you ask them, do you have a women's football? Do you have a women's team? It was there, but then it's so dead. Nobody's taking care of it. Nobody cares about it. I'm just giving it as an example. So I think, I think you know, um, federations of football associations, they need, as well as CAF, they need to sit down and do a proper planning of women's football in, in Africa because there's a lot. They, the most hateful thing is that there is talent. There is so much talent when it comes to women's football and nothing has been done. So I think in the future, it's just to have the rules and regulations that can actually force football associations or that can force clubs to have competitive t- women football teams and you know make a national league because other countries they don't even have a national league so a lot needs to be done you know clubs football associations as well as CAF need to sit down and come up with rules and regulations that they can actually even if it means forcing you know countries to take men football seriously then let it be that's a Karabo Bosena. She's a TV presenter in Botswana. Also, we heard there from Saini Sisohori, the Gambia women's football coordinator, and they were talking to Gambian sports journalist John Mendy. Interesting stuff. Uh, lots of points there, Solomon. Allegations that funds from FIFA for women's football development are diverted elsewhere, that more competitions are needed, that there should be a female CAF vice president at least, that national football associations need to do more, and that all big clubs should have women's teams. What do you make of all this, Solomon? These are very great ideas and great observations and opinions from from the ladies, uh, Steve. I think we really need to dig deep and, and ask ourselves why is women's football not really given a top priority? You know, even under 17, under 20, men's football is given top priority, but women's football, which we've seen growing globally, and I feel just by having a special position for female uh, that would really promote and protect the rights and also the agenda for women's football, you know, like the CAF vice president, I think that's a great idea. A lot of these girls, a lot of the women need to be kept active, and there's no way you can keep them active if you don't have competitions and, uh, you know, regional competitions, continental competitions so we have to make sure that you know the right amount of funds is goes towards women's football we need to make it a priority uh, we need to be able to make sure that 
women's football is not seen as a, as a second rated uh, type of football but we make it a priority to develop it that way we're going to be able to see how you know football is going to grow across africa amongst women and girls and also across the world we're going to see better representation when it comes to tournaments like the world cup and also the olympic games Yeah, sure. And is it fair to say that CAF is talking about developing women's football but not actually doing much about it? Yeah, I really feel sometimes that CAF is not really doing much. Uh, that for CAF, women's football is not really a priority because if CAF really wants it or is making it a priority, then a lot of the ideas and the symposium that was organized and the ideas that have been floating should have been implemented by now. We should have begun to see changes by now. I thought the new CAF president, Ahmed Ahmed, was going to really make this a, a top priority, but still we haven't seen that. Maybe what CAF should do is to be able to get a woman in the driver's seat to drive this. Yeah, well, thanks very much, Solomon. And now we turn to social media because we were asking about women's football on the show last week, asking if you are interested in the upcoming Women's Africa Cup of Nations. The competition doesn't attract the same attention as the Men's Nations Cup, but we asked, are you still interested in the tournament? Will you be following the games and who will you be supporting? On Facebook first, and Mola Ngali Njor in Cameroon says, I'm a happy fan of the Women's Nations Cup. I'll be behind the Lionesses of Cameroon for a first victory this time. And Onismi John Beloved in Nigeria will also be watching, saying, I'm a fan of female football, and it's the birthright of the Super Falcons of Nigeria to win this one. On WhatsApp, Balong Baji in the Gambia says, I'm always excited watching the women's football because they show a high standard of discipline. My money is on Ghana, says Balong. Duruchidi Reginald, also in the Gambia, says, Sure, I've been following women's football in Africa, most especially Nigeria. There's a lot of talent in Africa, but the problem is still administrative, says Duruchidi. I still support the Nigeria women's national team. And in Zambia, Kunda Francis Piri says, Yes, I'll be watching Zambia all the way. And, uh, well, I'm not sure if I want to talk about that, Kunda, because uh, Zambia got there at the expense of Zimbabwe with a late goal here in Harare in the final qualifying round. Abraham Kalapo is a Nigerian living in the Gambia. I always proudly support my country all the way, says Abraham. Nigeria will always have my support. But uh, Jesse Rando in Sierra Leone says, No, I'll not be following the games because I don't know much about the teams and the players. Uh, well, Jesse, the eight teams taking part are the hosts Ghana. There's Algeria, Cameroon, Kenya, Mali, Nigeria, South Africa and Zambia. To Philip Kanu in the Gambia now, and Philip says, Women's football is something that I'm so very interested to watch. Our African female teams are not as good as the European teams, but this is something that CAF should try to work on from the grassroots. Dominic Ompile in Botswana says, Yes, I'll be watching. My tip is for South Africa to win it. Mohamed Barr in the Gambia is also very supportive of the women's game, saying, I like the talented women footballers we have on the continent. I think women's football needs much more attention from the country's football associations for it to reach that top level. I love the Super Falcons of Nigeria, but this time I'm supporting the hosts Ghana. Uh, thanks for that, Mohamed. Moses in Malawi says, I've heard about the tournament here in Malawi, but I won't follow the games. I just like seeing the results, but I wish all the teams the very best. Hamat Jobe in the Gambia says, Well, I don't usually watch women's football, but I believe Nigeria will win it again. 
Lamine Sonko is also in the Gambia. I'm not very interested in women's football, says Lamine. I'm not a keen follower of the women's game, especially here in my homeland where women's football tends to be very boring and less organised than the men's game. But notwithstanding, I'll try to follow the matches, says Lamine. And, well, certainly the Gambia did pretty well in these qualifiers. They got to the final qualifying round and were knocked out by the mighty Nigeria. Mohamed Aikinte in the Gambia is a fan. I'll be following the women's AFCON. I think Nigeria still have no match and they are the queens of Africa. And they should now concentrate to improve and compete against the world's best, like the USA and Germany, says Mohamed. Here in Africa, only Cameroon can match Nigeria and then only a bit. And Mutar Jallo, also in the Gambia, says, Yes, I will be following the competition. I'm going for Ghana. Best of luck to the black queens, says Mutar. Let's finish off this with two contrasting voice notes. Uh, firstly, Michael Mbaka in The Gambia gives some very honest views, and I think here he's speaking for many. Definitely, women, African Cooperation, automatically, it's always a problem. We don't venture into it like that, you know, that of the men. But nevertheless, uh, not all, but some do also focus on it because it's important. But more focus is put on that of the males when it comes to football. And I think I will be going in for the Ghanaian women. Thanks, Michael. And here's Ebrima Kante again in The Gambia. Yeah, I'm a big fan of women football. And I believe it is going in the right direction if the, 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 the support is given to them. Because I, I always against this that all the support are given to their male counterparts, which is not fair. If you look at our, our country here, our women's team, they try really well. They went up to the final qualifier round and we are beaten by the best team in Africa, that is Nigeria. True. Well, thanks, Abrima. So we'll see how the Africa Women's Cup of Nations goes. And as I say, we'll have a special report from Ghana on next week's edition of Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, this week on social media, we're asking why are the North African clubs dominating in the CAF Champions League? We had an all-North African CAF Champions League final for the second year in a row, with Al-Athli of Egypt playing Esperance of Tunisia. Last year, Moroccan side Widad Casablanca beat Al-Athli in the final. Now, Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa won it in 2016, and TP Mazembe of DR Congo took it in 2015, breaking the North African dominance. But overall, why are the North African clubs dominating? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and also access past programmes in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can also listen on our New Look website, that's planetsport.tv. Our other shows are there too, that's Planet Sport and the Planet Sport Rugby podcast. Also interviews with various sports stars including Christian Achu of Ghana and Patson Daka of Zambia. That's on our New Look website, planetsport.tv. 
To the English Premier League now and we have the Manchester derby on Sunday with Manchester City playing Manchester United. Well, United were somewhat like the team of Sir Alex Ferguson in a way in their last two games with late winning goals. A stoppage time winner over Bournemouth in their last league match and a great UEFA Champions League comeback against Juventus. Your thoughts on the game, Stuart? The Manchester derby is certainly the game of the weekend. Last season... This would have been the game between the top two. This season, it is first against seventh. Manchester United are already nine points behind Manchester City and struggling to keep in touch. While Manchester United won the corresponding game last season, coming back from 2-0 down at half-time to win 3-2, it's hard to see that happening this season. Manchester City have quite simply won more games scored more goals and conceded less goals than any team in the Premier League this season. Last weekend, City beat Southampton 6-1 and this was the fourth time this season they've won a Premier League game by five goals. United beat Bournemouth away last weekend with a goal in the 92nd minute which we used to call Fergie time because of the way Sir Alex Ferguson's team used to score so many late goals. But it wasn't a good performance by Manchester United. They were poor in the first half, but managed to turn things round in the second half. But then, midweek, United pulled up a remarkable 2-1 win over Juventus in Italy. Juve had taken a 1-0 lead with an outstanding goal by Ronaldo just past the hour mark. But United struck with two goals in the last five minutes to win the game. And frankly, they nearly added a third through Rashford. With United pulling off a brilliant win in Italy and Manchester City beating Shakhtar Donetsk in the Champions League this week 6-0, both teams will enter the derby full of confidence. United can certainly score against City, The big question for me is whether United's suspect defence can stop City. So, at the top of the table, we now have Manchester City, Chelsea and Liverpool all still unbeaten, and that's the first time since 1979 that three teams have been unbeaten after 11 games. And, in fact, if you were to add together the points which City Liverpool and Chelsea have gained. It's more than the combined points of the 10 teams at the bottom. Wow. And uh, Stuart, Nigeria's Victor Moses seems to be out of favour at Chelsea. Uh, What's happening there? Chelsea manager Maurizio Sarri has been talking about Victor Moses this week. Quoted on the BBC website, he was explicitly asked, do midfield players Danny Drinkwater and the Nigerian, Victor Moses, uh, have a future at Chelsea. He replied, I don't know. They have to improve. Their characteristics are a little bit different. Victor Moses, of course, was a regular under previous manager Antonio Conte, but the Nigerian's six appearances this season, only two have come in the Premier League, and he's only started once. Conte played a 3-4-3 system, using Moses and Marcus Alonso as his wing-backs, but Sarri has opted for a 4-2-3-1 formation. 
Moses has lost his position and has been unable to break into the team. Sarri said Moses is more suitable to playing like a wing-back than a winger or a full-back, but that position doesn't exist at Chelsea. And interestingly, Sarri is not a manager who rotates his squad a lot. Only Wolves have used fewer players than Chelsea in the Premier League this season. This just shows how precarious the life of a Premier League player can be. Victor Moses was playing really well as a wing-back. Suddenly there's a change of manager and a change of system and his position is gone and his future is at risk. Well, tough for Victor Moses, uh, not fitting in with the new manager's system. And as Stuart, you've highlighted before that uh, Wolves have got an African-born manager in Nuno. Well, he's a Portuguese citizen, but born in Sao Tome and Principe. Uh, Wolves are newly promoted, having a very good start. And uh, Nuno uh, has his family in Portugal, where he lived and worked. Tell us more. Nuno is from the island of Principe, former Portuguese colony off the west coast of Africa and in a recent interview in the London Times he said Princip is a paradise. I grew up with no shoes because my house was right next to the beach. There were no cars so we just played. It really was paradise. But I moved from Princip when I was seven and did all my schooling in Portugal. As a player he was a goalkeeper, often the second goalkeeper, but he did play under Jose Mourinho at Porto. Perhaps he learned a bit about management there. And his experience of sometimes being on the bench has certainly affected him, because he said in the interview, you think when a player is playing, he's better than the player who isn't playing. But there were many others like me. Um, we've been there, we've experienced it. And at Wolves, we have players who are not playing, and their behaviour doesn't change. They work even harder. And he thinks that the ethos of a football club is really important and said that what he's looking for is a club that has no spirit of selfishness, no individuals, no players bigger than anything else. And on the success that Wolves have had, he says, sometimes in the history of football, specific things come through at the right time the right people working together. And I feel here, this season at Wolves, I have a vision and an idea. And the moment you put it on the pitch, your players know and see the same things that you see. What we've achieved makes me proud. Interesting insights from the only African manager in the Premier League. Fascinating. And uh, finally, Stuart, what else caught your attention there in the English Premier League? Traditionally in the UK, we remember the end of the Second World War at 11am on the 11th day of the 11th month. Well, Bournemouth and Manchester United entered into the spirit because it was Bournemouth who scored their 11th home goal in the 11th minute of their 11th game of the season. Then Anthony Martial for Manchester United, number 11, equalised and Manchester United won the game with their 11th away goal of the season. Huddersfield have had 81 attempts on goal since they last scored, but it all came right on Monday evening when Christopher Schindler's header finished up in the net. However, it took a deflection and was credited as an own goal.
It was enough to give Huddersfield a home win over Fulham 1-0. But you could still say that Huddersfield, in 81 attempts on goal, have still not managed to score themselves without the help of an own goal. James Milner scored for Liverpool against Arsenal and it was his 50th goal in the Premier League. And amazingly, Milner has never lost a game in which he scored. Arsenal came from behind to draw that game with Liverpool and Arsenal have actually taken more points in games where they've come from behind than anyone else in the Premier League this season. And another interesting statistic is that 10 of Arsenal's 25 league goals have either been scored or created by substitutes. Wesley Hood has put the ball in the net at the Etihad and at Anfield this season. Sadly for the Southampton player, both of them were own goals. And then there was Juan Foyth, who was given his Premier League debut by Tottenham against Wolves. Everything went well. Tottenham were 3-0 up, but then it all went wrong when Foyth conceded not one, but two penalties. But in the end, Tottenham still won 3-2. Oh, well, lucky for him that uh, they didn't lose anyway. Well, that's it for the show for this week. On Facebook and WhatsApp, we're asking, uh, why are the North African clubs dominating in the CAF Champions League? You can uh, post a comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare from Solomon Ashams in South Africa and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.